Oh, it is so wonderful to be here with you all again. Um, Zooming was okay <laughs> for me. Um, and I think that uh, it became clearer to me during this year of not being able to have closer contact with a lot of people, how important it was for me to connect with other people. And I at least had this one thing that happened most every week, which is that Missoula Parks and Rec has this thing called Missoula Movers or Coffee Walkers for people, well, I guess you can be any age, but people my age. <laughs> retirees, I guess, you know, people who can go out on a Monday morning and do a hike together. And they figured out that instead of taking us in a van somewhere and then taking us out for coffee, that we would all just drive ourselves to wherever we were going to hike in the Parks and Rec system, and then they would bring coffee to us. And it just was, I don't know, a revelation to me that it was really a touchstone of my week to be able to actually be with people. But the other part of, of that uh, experience that, was, that became more and more apparent to me during this year um, was that I, I got to join a nature journaling group um, a, several months before COVID struck. And... Um, just as with the, our Sangha, that group continued to meet by Zoom. Um, and once a week, then I would sit in nature, you know, observing a plant or a bird or a landscape or, you know, something in nature, and then drawing and painting what I saw and writing something about mostly what I did, although I, I think it's important to be able to Ident you know, to identify the things that I'm seeing in so far as possible. Um, my, my emotional connection with what I'm engaged with was really the thing that was most important to me. Um, but every week was a new challenge, um, something I hadn't drawn before, some living thing that I had not appreciated quite so much before. And um, making a record of respect, reverence for life, certainly you know, resonates with, with this practice. And I would say step by step, I've immersed myself more in the study of nature over this past year. Um, I, I'm part of a naturalist book club through Montana Natural History Center, and they do field note writing workshops. And I thought, oh, that would be a cool thing to do. So I did that. Eventually, you might hear my thing on Montana Public Radio later in the fall, I think, once they figure out how to open their studio back up and things like that. But anyway, um, gradually gaining mindfulness and knowing more about nature. Um, I, I drew a flower at the university's native plant garden, which is close to the university center. Maybe some people are familiar with where it is. Um, and um, it was labeled 
candle flower or candle plant or something like that. And later I thought more about it and I thought, you know, that plant doesn't look like a candle. <laughs> maybe the label was, was, maybe this was just another flower that was growing close to where the label was. So I, I looked up some, in some plant books and apps and then I recognized what it actually was, which was a type of geranium that is native to Montana and a lot of other places in the West. And it's called um, commonly Bloody Crane's Bill which is a sort of odd name for this beautiful, delicate, fuchsia pink blossom. It's f five petals, it's very delicate, and has this wonderful, um, I don't know, I can't really describe the leaf, but it's a very intricate leaf that goes along with it. And, um, but then I also noticed that there were a few of the flowers that hadn't quite come into bloom, and when they start, off, their, their flower pods are pointed, very, very, you know, elongated and sort of dark red at the tip. So it looks like a bloody crane's bill. Um, and that's how they got their name. So last week I was on a fishing trip, as I do every year, in southwestern Montana. And these flowers were all along the roadside on the scenic highway through the Pioneer Mountains. And they were abundant in the meadow next to the lodge where I was staying. And I, I feel like I had never really seen them before. You know, we've been going to this lodge every year for 12 years. And I swear, you know, there's no way that they just suddenly came up there. <laughs> you know, so, there, so there's something, <laughs> something about my, you know, my, um, you know, growing awareness or immersion in this practice. Um, and I've noticed several other life forms recently that were sort of like that to me also. Um, for example, there are these wonderful birds called Lewis's woodpeckers that have this, they're sort of dark, uh, you know, dark beak and wings and this beautiful sort of watermelon red chest. And there were literally, you know, a dozen of them just flitting around in the air at the Hannon um, boat ramp, which is on the lower end of the Bitterroot, uh, where we put into fish uh, one day last week. And then another day when we were, we were fishing at this place called Horse Prairie Creek, there were Wilson snipes sitting on the fence posts, several of them. And I know, and they have these wonderful, you know, straight, long um, bills, and they're, they're very distinctive. But I feel like, you know, I've been to these places several times each of them, at similar times of day, similar times of year, I don't recall ever noticing these birds before. <laughs> and, but I, you know, so I bet they were there. <laughs> I bet they were there. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm thinking, well, what difference does it make, you know, that I notice these things more? And I guess I feel like part of reverence for life is appreciating, no, you know, seeing, noticing, um, as well as then, like, trying to, figure out, well, what are they called, you know, and things like that. So I've learned some things about snipes, and I've learned things about woodpeckers, and I've learned things about many, many, many other things. But I feel like maybe the most important thing is, you know, if I notice them, then I can begin to appreciate them, learn about them, thank them, feel that wonderful humility of being in the presence of something 
that is so much greater than me. And so my practice grows and sustains in awe and joy. I, too, am very grateful that we are meeting in person. And um, I have three practices that I've been working with um, that came up before COVID but were kind of amplified during COVID and allowed me to really work with them. Um, The first one is being instead of doing. I'm really good at getting things done, (laughs) and I do a lot in a day. And so my practice has been to look back on the day and notice the things that I did not get done. (laughs) So the being practice has um, really been a good chance to really check in with what am I actually feeling that um, I tend to need to fill that space with. So first identifying whatever emotion it is. Maybe I'm bored, maybe I'm unsettled, maybe I'm you know, sad, whatever it is. And so I just do, 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 and I'm always moving. And um, it's, it's really given me a chance to stop and to do nothing. And literally, I mean, like, to the point where I'm sitting on the couch and my husband or my kids will walk out and be like, are you okay? <laughs> like, just sitting there, just sitting there. Sometimes looking out the window at the bird feeder, but really just sitting there and really letting that need to do something move through me. And I call it a lull moment, not a low moment, a lull moment. Although sometimes I'm very low and the act of sitting there helps. Just not doing anything and letting those emotions come and go and pass through and being with them, even the challenging ones, and um, just slowing down. And I noticed If I couldn't do a seated, just sit there practice, um, I did a lot of walks around the neighborhood during COVID. There was not much to do, especially in the evening. We've exhausted all the games, all that, you know, well, that's hard to do in our house. But we, um, at times, I just decided I need to get out of the house again and do another walk around the block. And that was so wonderful and allowed me to just be with and just kind of be with the neighborhood as everybody was going through this really challenging time. Uh, The second practice that I've done for a very long time is a gratitude practice. And not just um, internal gratitude, here, keep this to myself, but what became evident is why not say things out loud? Let everybody know what I'm really excited about. So if I see a butterfly, hey, look at that butterfly, right? Saying it so that everyone can share in that joy of what you're feeling about this butterfly or the sky or something that someone said, really acknowledging that. And so I've been working with that one, um, I think, through COVID and even just yesterday, but, you know, in the thick of it, I would say daily, multiple times a day, I'm so grateful to live in Montana. We do not have 
anything to complain about here. Well, I didn't in my life. I know many people were struggling in a lot of different ways. So from my perspective, I just kept coming back to, I'm able to work. I'm able to have my kids do a pretty normal life. I'm, I feel pretty safe, feel pretty comfortable that we're gonna be okay. There was a lot of space and um, that wasn't other people's realities around the world. And so um, I was able to hold both, but really just acknowledging where we're living right now. And I still feel that way because I know that the rest of the world struggles in a lot of ways with COVID still. And um, that's not my experience. Um, sometimes I do a practice with gratitude of, um, instead of asking what's wrong, of asking what's not wrong. And I do that with my body. I'm a long distance trail runner. And so I tend to notice when I get up, like what's kind of achy or what's kind of sore from the day before. And um, that gets bigger as I get older. But then I start to recognize what is not wrong. What could I extend gratitude for? Like my eyes to be able to see all these beautiful people around me and colors and shapes and textures and my feet for getting me to every place that I need to go so beautifully. My heart that I don't think much about, but it works so beautifully for my health and wellness. Um, the next thing that I worked on was extending my gratitude towards my people. And especially through COVID, that became very evident about how important people are in your life. Something that I feel like I took for granted. Um, just access to people, access to, um, you know, support. And for me, support is much easier, like face to face, like being with people. Um, but really sending a quick text to somebody that I was thinking about and just letting them know that I really appreciate them or even sending a card. I made a lot of art during COVID. Um, and then got, getting to the point where I was acknowledging, I love you, right? Like, I truly love you. And saying that to people that I really, really do love, and that could be friends or family members or even colleagues, um, and saying that out loud was very important and it still continues to be something that I want to um, help grow. Um, the last one is one I've worked with for a long time, um, which is the love and kindness practice. And um, I've worked with um, Sharon Salzberg's kind of, she has a really great, if you've never done loving kindness practice, she has a great kind of how-to um, 10, 10 set video on YouTube, um, which is just really nice have, having her walk you through the practices about 20 minutes each. Um, but for me, this is a practice that allows me to send well wishes to others. And I really was focusing on other people, that everybody deserves to be loved and to have peace and to be safe and to be free from injury and to have loving kindness in their life. Uh, so a few ways I found that my practice was coming into um, kind of, I was using the benefits of my practice and I didn't even know what happened until I started reflecting for this talk tonight. Um, first one, I had a, a family member that was um, violated and, and violated in a way that I thought that it might impact their life for the rest of their life. Not a very positive thing. And it took me a while to get through. Again, I went through my, I'm scared, I'm confused, I feel helpless. Um, and not too long after I had those feelings, I had feelings of love and kindness for the person that was the perpetrator. And I didn't know that was going to come up. 
and I thought, you know, they deserve to be loved too. Um, it's, you know, it, it was really challenging for me, and um, I didn't understand it, and I just knew that that person didn't understand what they were doing either, so I sent them loving kindness. And that was an action that I could do. It wasn't helpful for me to get angry or to, um, you know, to share my confusion with my family member. They just needed to be supported. Um, second one that I didn't know was going to come up either was when the riots happened at the Capitol. And um, again, I just identified these emotions. I felt unsettled. I feel, felt, you know, sick to my stomach. I felt, you know, sadness, confusion. Um, and then I started to think about some of the people that were there that were probably feeling the exact same things that I was feeling. Whether or not we believed in the same things or supported the same people, it didn't matter. They deserved to have loving kindness sent their way. So I was able to share this practice towards them, send them loving kindness. Um, and then the third one, um, I, I love to go out for coffee. It's one of my favorite things. And um, I've given up a lot of my... Um, guilty, sinful pleasures, but coffee's like my favorite. Um, not a very sinful pleasure, but um, so I take my little break during the day and I started not going to my favorite coffee shop. And I recognized that the reason I wasn't going there was because I didn't like the person that was behind the counter. I never knew what mood they were gonna be in. And then I found myself going, well, that shouldn't be any reason to not go to that coffee shop. Could I try something different? So I decided to just send loving kindness and decided to um, just see what would happen. And then a few weeks later, I decided to go, and that person um, had a very long exchange with me, decided to tell me about their upcoming wedding, to which I thought, oh, I wonder if that's why they've been inconsistent and stressed out and this and that. So I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense, but I don't know, you never know why someone might be in a bad mood. And so I was able to have a really positive interaction with them. and. Um, I don't know if it was because of my practice or maybe I was just changing my interaction enough that they were receiving it. Um, and it's been inconsistent since then, but I still believe that I can continue to choose how I want to respond to that and, you know, and, and wish them well and have a good day. Um, so the one piece that I love, um, Susan Patton Tole wrote a great book on meditations and she, she calls it um, the act of sending little love darts. So I practice this in a few different ways. When I see that people are hurting or um, I hear like an ambulance, I send little love darts, right? Just wishing them well. I hope everything is okay. Um, someone in traffic behind us yesterday as my son was driving up to the lake, he was being tailed and you know he was like, why is he on me, why is he on me? And I said, it must be really hard to be that person. And I just sent him some love darts. He's impatient. I don't know why. And it wasn't helpful for me to start getting impatient or my son. So I said, that's okay. He can pass you if he wants to. Um, and sometimes I'll do that too with strangers, people I see in the grocery store um, that might be struggling in different ways that is not my experience. So having that compassion to see all human beings with you know, loving eyes and the ability to trust that everybody deserves to have that loving kindness shared in their life. Thank you.
right. <clears throat> I'm also happy to be here in person. Um, I have two puppies at home, and they love to just wrestle with each other whenever I want to meditate, so especially during our Be Here Now Zoom calls. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to be here. Um, over the course of this period of time, I've realized how much my environment shapes how I can shape how I respond to it. And um, I was finding it really hard to have a regular sitting practice. And so... I tried setting up a corner in my house with my cushion, which I do think is very nice to have kind of an intentional space, um, but it does need a door, I figured out, so I'm working on that now. Um, but since my regular sitting practice hasn't been as strong, just kind of finding moments in the day to drop in. Um, and things to remind me of where I am and what I'm doing and what's going on um, has been kind of an anchor for me. And so uh, I thought we'd kind of walk through a day and like some of the practices that I use to help drop into that. Um, so one of the things I really like about this tradition is the gatas, um, little mindfulness sayings to say, well, um, you're doing something. So one of the ones for waking up is um, waking up this morning, I smile 24 new hours before me. I vow to live each moment in, and I will fill in the blank with whatever I feel like I would like to cultivate that day. So, you know, mindfulness or peace or love or presence, um, patience, <laughs> um, so any of those things. And then I usually, you know, get up and get going and start my day. Um, there's another gata for brushing the teeth that I really like. Um, it's uh, brushing my teeth and rinsing my mouth. I vow to speak uh, purely and lovingly. When my mouth is fragrant with right speech, a flower blooms in the garden of my heart. And I don't always have a full garden at the end of the day in my heart. <laughs> um, but I feel like it does kind of start making me think about what the words that I am saying and what I'm calling things and calling people um, and just how I'm thinking about things. Um, I also work with people and I have a lot of animals around my house and so often I like am having moments with them throughout my day and I really love to I love anatomy I think it's very fun and I love to think about the different body systems and so like feeling like a heartbeat like thinking about this heart and the circulatory system thinking like oh I hope you get blood to everywhere you need blood, and I hope your blood takes away, like, anything you don't need. Or breathing. I hope that you can, can breathe and get fresh air and get rid of what you don't need anymore, carbon dioxide. And um, 
I kind of like to just go through the layers like that in the body, like just kind of start with the skin and then think about the muscles and like different organs and then the lymphatic system, like may you heal yourself, may you, you know, be able to meet whatever challenges come up and acclimate to them. Um, and then kind of going deeper and into the bones, may you have like stability and, uh, be supported. And so I don't always like check through all those things, but sometimes like if I hear someone breathing or one of my animals breathing or like feel their heartbeat, um, I'll kind of check in with that. And I guess that's kind of a loving kindness for other living beings. Um, The other one is um, leaving myself lots of notes around my house <laughs> and in my kitchen and um, in my bathroom and in my office just uh, as a grounding thing. And I also love that I have so many wonderful friends who are artists who make cool things that I feel like can help to bring me into those moments. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh has a bit, I guess you might call it, about... Uh, chopping carrots only thinking about chopping carrots and I try to do that when I'm in the kitchen just to like think about the the food that I'm working with at that moment or like where it came from and I love thinking about like how far my food came <laughs> um, and some of my some friends of mine do this thing where before they eat a meal they just hold hands and take a breath together and then they just eat and sometimes if I don't have the time or patience or diligence to eat mindfully um, I really like just taking that breath and just being like this is good right here and then just eating my food and thinking about using it to nourish my body and my actions um, and then at the night, at nighttime, I do like to have a gratitude practice and I feel like I fall on and off of that, but just kind of keeping a list. And I always have to write down three, three things that are new that day in the last 24 hours that I haven't thought of before, or maybe like for a long time or trying to think of them in a different way than I've thought of them before just to make myself like reprocess that day because of uh, humans' negativity bias. We only see the bad things instead of the good things. Um, so yeah, those are a couple things I do throughout the day. Thank you.